Hello and welcome to these little moments podcast. I'm your host, your online health and wellness coach, Ryan Cassum. And in this podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Jeff Packman, who is a former chef turned fitness coach. Jeff and I had a really awesome conversation about his life, his journey from his rock bottom to finding sobriety to becoming a chef to eventually leaving that life to become a full-time health coach. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. There's a lot of great tidbits in here. And uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. See you in there. All right. We got a... Whoa, just hit me. (laughs) Just hit me straight off with the record button. Oh, you are blowing my eardrums out. You're you're blowing my eardrums out. (laughs) No, no, uh, no foreplay, nothing. We're just getting straight. I didn't. I know you, man. I know you get straight to the point. I know you, man. That's my style. That is me. (laughs) You did the same thing to me on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Well, well, I like uh, welcome. Well, first, I like the plant in the background. It's a monstera. It's nice. I really like no it. Big deal. Yeah, no reminds big deal. me of you. Thank you. Mm. I don't know how to take that. It's well, it's it's vibe. It's not vibrant. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> it's. It looks like it's uh, it's grown. Do you hold on? Do you have a cologne poster behind you? Where? It says curves. No, nope. I do like curve, but uh, that's no, that says cares. Oh, okay. Sorry, my eyes. <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, come on, man. Get a cologne back poster. To the, back to you and the plant analogy, please. Don't... <laughs> I know what you're trying to do there. <laughs> Tip for tat. He's, he's like diversion. <laughs> diversion block Uh, Mm -hmm. hey well welcome to the podcast jeffrey thank you thank you oh there's lights (laughs) on your plant oh shit they just turned on yeah that's perfect timing yeah they're on a timer they're on a timer that's awesome are you like a green thumb no dude so notoriously have killed every single plant i've ever had but okay. for some reason, this plant behind me, I bought it at um, Lowe's for like $12. Mm-hmm. And it was already like flourishing. So I was like, let me see if I can just keep this one alive. Mm-hmm. And then if I can, I'm going to get a puppy. So I. <laughs> so. Yeah, so it's the I same thing. <laughs> it's pretty much the same. Uh, no, I kept it alive, and uh, and it started to just flourish, man. And uh, and I was like, all right, it's time to get a puppy. So now we got a puppy and a plant. Whoa, you got a puppy? I did, yeah. He's, he's 15 weeks old. He's downstairs. He's uh, probably just ruining my whole house, but that's okay. This is So this is brand new. When did you get this guy? Or girl? It's been eight, eight weeks. Yeah, it's a boy. He's uh, He's 15 weeks old. He's huge. He's 30 pounds already. And, uh, yeah, but he's great. He's a really good dog. What kind of dog is it? He's an English cream golden retriever. So like the really light colored ones that stay, they stay like pretty much white, Mm. um, which is awesome for like aesthetics. They look really cool, but like not great for living in central Oregon, like high desert because as soon as he plays with other dogs and like decides to roll around, he just becomes a fucking dust cloud so it's like yesterday he t- yesterday he took his first dip in the river and just yeah. like well actually he kind of like majestically fell into the river and then uh and then literally just like got covered in dirt and dust and mud and so that's kind of uh where we're at uh, so, he's, so he's getting the frequent baths already <laughs> yeah yeah i actually been just taking him in the shower and yeah. he's actually he's actually chill with it mm-hmm. uh i'm just kind of uh, you know i just let him do my let him do his thing in the shower and yeah you know ask him if he needs anything smart <laughs> i'm just that's kind of just leave <laughs> just leave him in there you good man <laughs> you want some ch- 
Do you need conditioner? Yeah. yeah, pretty what's, much. What's dude. his name? Mello. M-E-L-O. Oh, short for Carmelo. Oh, wow. He's, and the, he's okay, part so of the family. The breeder, the breeder uh, named him Mello because they had like, you know, little nicknames. They didn't want to give them like real names. So they were like, this one's Chongus. This one's, <laughs> yeah, that was like the big chubby one was Chongus. Yeah. And then there's one named Mello. There's one, there's like little guy. And like mm-hmm. Mello just seemed like the coolest out of all three of them. So I was like, yeah. all right, you're rolling with me. And I actually just was like, I'm going to keep his name Mello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. It's just a cool name. It is a cool name. It makes it makes you reconsider Jeff just a little bit. <sighs> it's, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, oh, my dog is has a cooler name. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's I talk mean, about the little text prank I gave you a little bit before. Oh, is this the setup for <laughs> that? <laughs> I just uh I finally got how many times how many times have you done that to other people? That was the first time, I swear to God. It was the first time. So I like I knew it was I knew it was you. I knew it was you. Because literally you asked for my number 10 minutes before that. I'm not getting very many text messages at 6 30 a.m. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like you've signed up for this service. Hit text stop to stop text messages so i wasn't sure so i i hit stop i had a feeling it was ryan so i hit stop and he goes we're just getting started bitch i was like i fucking knew it i knew it that's a good one though i i do like that i'm a fan i'm a fan of the practical jokes so that was a good, a good one i was proud of was that i was like i was like you know i finally got his number let me just like Take like take advantage of this real quick. Just kind of ruin it. Yeah, it was special. It was... I wouldn't say ruin. Ruin's a strong word. So. <sighs> but anyway, oh, yeah. this, this is a great. This is <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> I am Jeff. Um, Jeff, you, welcome to These Lamones podcast. I want you to do the old classical introduction. And then uh, you know we'll get into the old nooks and crannies of everything. But uh, why don't you just tell the tell the people about Jeff? Yeah, so my name's Jeff Packman. Um, I am a world class keto proponent. So like I'm pretty much you know fasting, hormones, metabolism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an expert when it comes to insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. You know, cal- so my whole thing is like calories in, calories out. Right. It's a scam. That's scam. what the big. That's what big pharma mm-hmm. and big calorie wants you to think. Yeah. So big I, calorie, I yep. personally, I personally. All right. Anyways, um, <laughs> big pharma and big calorie. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, guys, I'm a. I, Anyways, I'm not going to talk to guys. I'm going to talk to you. I'm a fitness coach. I've been a personal trainer since probably about 2016, 2017. So fairly new to the game. Um, But I originally started out as a chef, and that's what kind of got me interested into nutrition and food growing up. My mom taught me how to cook. She's uh, Sicilian, full-blooded Italian, and then my dad's a Jew. They're both from New York. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up... I grew up in a really interesting, like loud, vibrant household with yeah. um, very interesting, outspoken parents in a place that was a little bit more like reserved because we moved from New York to California. And, and uh, so kind of like I was kind of like an outcast, you know, because I had like these loud East Coast parents on the West Coast in like LA. And so it was, it was really interesting. But the way that I grew up was always appreciating food and different cultures. And um, and so I grew like really, really, I grew a love for passion for cooking and for food at an early age. And so I always wanted to be a chef. And, uh, and so that's kind of where like my life kind of took me is actually into um, the restaurant industry for a long time about 16 years oh, wow. um i started i started at an early age cooking in restaurants i started at subway actually and then i started cooking in restaurants and uh dropped out of high school 
uh, you know, drugs and alcohol are a big part of my story as well. But, um, you know, found a love and a passion for cooking and just kind of took that, ran with it. The drugs and alcohol piece definitely took over and definitely took things to a very dark and uh, crazy place for me at a young age. So at 22 years old, you know, I had multiple felonies, you know, life was unmanageable, had a drug addiction. And uh, so life got pretty fucking crazy for me, almost did some time in prison. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, like here I am, you know, 22 years old, getting clean, getting my shit together, like making better life choices and just kind of turning my whole life around for the first time in my life, like really feeling like I needed to change everything and no matter how overwhelming that felt i knew it was like my only option you know i knew it was like either i was just gonna become a victim of like jails institutions or death and like those mm -hmm. because that's what i saw people around me becoming victims of so you know at 22 years old i i made a decision and it wasn't like a for the rest of my life i'm gonna get my life together. It wasn't like that. It was just like, let me see if I can just like, like just try something else out for the next like 30 days, mm -hmm. you know? So I got into like a sobriety house and the guys in there were lifting and working out and trying to eat healthier. Cause that's like part of the deal. You either go two ways when you get sober, you either like completely just say fuck it i'm sober who cares i'm just gonna eat whatever i want and smoke yeah. cigarettes and like just treat myself like a garbage can or i'm going to get totally obsessed with health and fitness i mm -hmm. luckily i went the obsessed health and fitness <laughs> route which like led to its own problems you know because then all of a sudden i was obsessed with uh what's the optimal diet like what's the mm -hmm. optimal workout what's the optimal this and when you're looking for like very ex when you're having an addictive personality and all or nothing mentality you're gonna find creators or content that push that same kind of rhetoric so here i am at 22 23 and i'm like you know trying all these crazy diets and i'm trying all these like you know bodybuilding.com you know yep. meal plans the free meal plans on bodybuilding.com and i'm like doing all these like contest prep fucking meal plans and i'm just like a kid you know mm -hmm. i have no idea what i'm doing i have no idea about calories i have no idea about anything and so went down a lot of rabbit holes with that um cooking in restaurants and it's really fucking hard to stick to any sort of nutrition program when you're in a restaurant all day long, like 12 hours to 15 hours on your feet all day. And you don't really have time to sit down and eat a proper meal. Mm -hmm. So you're just kind of grazing and snacking. And so my weight went from, you know, probably, you know, so I was really skinny when I first got sober. I was like, you know, one, 160 or something really skinny. And then, you know, started to gain that sobriety weight, you know, ballooned up to 180 and then fluctuated up to all the way up to 250. And then, you know, decided to actually do things the right sustainable way and lost about, you know, I want to say about 75 pounds wow. in that process. And which, you know, now I'm looking back, I'm like, Jesus, man, I, I, that's a lot of weight. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, did it the right way, did it sustainably and, and, uh, and learned from people like, you know, yourself and, you know, other creators that are evidence-based and learned how to do it the right way. And then, you know, 20, and then people started asking me like how I did it. They asked me mm -hmm. for tips and like, you know meal plans and all of that yeah. and so it was it was kind of like i had to learn how to help people and if i want to because i learned how to help myself that doesn't mean that i know how to help others mm -hmm. and so i had to learn how to be a coach how to help others and how to do how to like individualize things for different personality types and different people so yeah 2016 you know, got into training more and got into actually learning how to do things the right way. And so I've just been a coach ever since, you know, got out of the restaurant industry. I was part time in the restaurant industry while mm -hmm. I was building out my business. And then about nine months ago, got off of the line, got stopped cooking completely, mm -hmm. got the hell out of there, you know, and uh, 
and went full time with my business. So things have been things have been amazing. I couldn't be more grateful for where I'm at today. And like, I just feel like I'm still at the very beginning. That's what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Well, dude, from from subway worker, right to, you know, eat fresh, right? First and foremost, but to and I can I can I, I, have, I have a family member who struggled with uh, drugs and alcohol, too. And it's really like takes a toll on everybody involved. And I can only, you know, can only imagine from the actual user's perspective, too. But, uh, you know, how what was I guess my first question from your story is, is what was like your moment where you're like, this has to like, did you have like a rock bottom moment? Because usually they say like people who struggle with sobriety have like a, a true rock bottom moment that like gets them to to create that change. Oh, you want to get into this? Okay. Yeah, um, I want to. I want to. I want to flesh it out just a wee bit. If you're comfortable with it, I'm comfortable with it. I talk about it all the time. Um, so yeah, you know, a lot of people who are in, you know, in twelve step fellowships like NAAA things like that. You know, it's there's a lot of stigma around the, these programs, and I I want to destigmatize it first of all because they're anonymous. So it's completely one hundred percent up to you if you want to say. I'm a part of this or I'm a part of that. So 12 step meetings and recovery and working steps actually helped me to overcome like my addictions. And they still help me to this day, overcome different hurdles that I have in my own character defects and just trying to be a better person than I was yesterday, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so it's like a level of morals and standards because some people will find religion some people will find spirituality some people some people will just find a new group of friends but for me like having a program to follow and an outline and a guidelines to follow and like very like like morals and standards was super important so i had to learn all that stuff because i had lost that stuff in my addiction so i think it's important to say that that's a part of it um that's a big part of it that's the biggest part of it mm -hmm. and uh my bottom, I guess I would say like, dude, it, like when you're sitting, like when you, when you're in pure isolation and like, you just want to end it all. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's like, that's the darkest, like craziest um, place you ever want to be, you know? And, and when going to jail was actually like probably saved your life, like that's, that's not a good place to be, you know? Mm -hmm. I remember at one point I weighed 125 pounds, dude. Like, uh -huh. and, and, so a big reason why I have this puppy now is because it's part of a living amends that I'm making because in my active addiction, I had a puppy. Like actually my mom, I was 20 years old and my mom would come and I, I was squatting basically in this house, 125 pounds soaking wet, um, wasn't eating much at all. And my mom would come and she would bring me water and she would bring me food for this dog that I, that I adopted. And I couldn't take care of this dog. You know, this dog was like, it needed exercise. It needed love. It needed all of these things. I, I didn't have any of that. You know, I didn't have any love to give. I was in a really dark place. And I, you know, my mom was like, oh, maybe this, this puppy will help bring him out of it, you know, and, and it didn't, you know, I just, if anything, the puppy just made me angry. And then I would get angry at the dog and then I would cry. And it was really, it was really fucked up is fucked up and the way that I treated this dog was fucked up and so I had to give it up and so I gave it back up for adoption <clears throat> and that tore me to pieces man like because I could I could treat myself like shit but when I start treating others like shit like the way that I treated my mom the way that I treated my family and then the way that I treated that dog it was such a clear call to action for me to like just get my shit together mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> you know, sitting in the jail cell for the fifth or sixth time, like looking at some prison time this time, like it wasn't just a fucking 30 day sanction or whatever. It was like five years, you know, hanging over your head for some drug charges. And I looked at my life and I was for the first time in my life, I felt like I wanted to do this for myself, not for anyone else, but for myself. I was looking at my mom crying through the glass at the jail that they visit you through now it's all video <clears throat> video calls but back then it was 
an actual like piece of plastic or glass that you'd look through and like seeing my mom trying to hold back tears it was it was fucked up and seeing that for the first time like sober clear of mind i was like i'm doing damage here i'm doing serious fucking damage here and like now <clears throat> having 11 years clean and my mom also got into um al-anon so she also like works her own program around like codependency and things like that so she worked through that she she learned where to put up boundaries and where to set guidelines around like what behavior was okay for me to be involved in so when i got clean it was like she already had this healthy relationship with herself and so me and her we we like grew in our relationship grew in ways that i never thought it would and so to this day she's like my best friend my number one supporter and uh so i you know one of my bottoms was like just seeing her cry through that glass in the jail and like being sober and seeing that for the first time in my life seeing a physical manifestation of the damage i had done mm -hmm. damn yeah. that's that's just that is like uh that's like a book man that's like a freaking like that's a deep deep part of your your history i appreciate you sharing that man. Yeah. that's like yeah I, I love that i love that it wasn't like your your rock wasn't uh like the damage you were doing yourself it was the damage that you were doing to others right whether mm -hmm. it was like you know inadvertently or whatever the case may be so then so then once you decide to get sober once you get out of rehab um you you'd said like you, you that people get obsessed with either like you know, the health and health and fitness aspects of things or like they go the other route. So what was like, what was like your, your story leading up to like gaining those 250 pounds? And then what was their, your moment once you gained that weight to be like, okay, this is, this has to change too. I think it was just not understanding that the quality of the food doesn't, it doesn't impact your weight as much as the quantity of the food. And I didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that some of the foods that were the healthiest that I'd go to the grocery store and I'd buy organic and I'd buy like, you know, all of this really expensive food from whole foods, because I thought that's what you had to do to be healthy and lose weight. You know, I would go out of my way to try all these different diets and I'd read all these books and I'd read these articles and there was just so much information out there and people would say, oh, it's sugar. Oh, it's processed carbohydrates. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And what's funny is like when you are a consumer of content, people talking about just a calorie deficit is actually like the rarity. Like I know us as coaches, we say calorie deficit. We say calories in calories out and you know we talk about energy balance all of the time so we think that it's common knowledge but for most people they don't they still don't understand this so we can say it as many times as we want and if new people are coming to our content on our page they may not understand what a calorie deficit is no matter how many times we've talked about it, no matter how many times we've discussed it so that that reminder there reminds me that like dude that was me that was me at 20 something years old. I didn't understand like why I was eating all of these healthy foods, spending all this money, working out a lot and at the head, still getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Mm. Right. And I mean, I went from like <clears throat> keto to plant-based to, you know, I even did like the warrior diet where, you know, you'd fast for 20 hours a day and then you'd break your fast with like, beet and carrot juice and then you would eat one meal a day and somehow that still did not allow me to lose weight because right. i was still eating too many fucking calories and just not moving enough right so you know i bounced back between like getting you know in really great shape like pretty much by chance by luck and getting super overweight because I'd, I'd get frustrated and just say, fuck it. So then, so you, so your biggest thing was, you know, you finally were able to get sober. And then, you know, when you wanted to get healthy, you just didn't have like the proper education to be like, okay, like, where do I go from here? And you did like the classic, like, 
I need to do this diet, this diet, this diet, this workout, this workout, this workout. And then, so then you eventually, you, you gain, you got to about 250 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. And then what mm-hmm. was your moment where you're like, this, this organic whole foods or this beet juice diet or whatever case, like this isn't working. Yeah. You know, I think I started <clears throat> to be honest, Jordan, Jordan Sia was a big part of that because for some reason I started seeing his content more and more mm-hmm. and it resonated with, with me in a way that <clears> he, <throat> you know, he talked about calorie deficit. He talked about the 80, 20 approach. He talked about just eating the fucking pizza, you know, like he talked about all of these things and it was refreshing to be honest. It was mm-hmm. refreshing because it was so simple. And I was like, how did I not know this? Right. How did I not hear this before? How has I, how have I never heard this before? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's like you have a, <clears throat> a confirmation bias when you think a certain thing, you're so dead set on it and you just, you're like, no, it's insulin. It's, it's hormones. It's all of these things. Like when I was joking and I said, I'm an expert at keto, blah, 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 insulin Mm -hmm. hormones. Like when I first started creating content, a lot of my content was around that shit. Mm -hmm. Like I had to go back to my, when I started my Instagram and I actually started my fitness page, I actually had to go back to some of my earlier stuff before I became a fitness coach, because I was so sure that it was insulin resistance and it was Mm. hormones and it was metabolism and it was carbohydrates. I was so sure. And, and so I had to go back and like delete those videos. Cause I was like, this is (laughs) actually, this could actually like damage people's like, um, relationship with food and their health Mm -hmm. and send them down the same rabbit holes that I went down Mm -hmm. just because, you know, I got down to 160 pounds on a plant-based ketogenic diet. (laughs) Like that's fucking crazy. That's crazy. And I don't need to be, um, I don't need to be pushing that on anybody, Mm -hmm. man, because you can get to a healthy body weight with a balanced approach that is sustainable that you can sustain for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I like that you had it's it's and we've talked about this a lot. It's like sometimes, you know, the message hits different when it's like, oh, maybe like this person who's talking about sciencey things makes it a funny way of telling it. And you're like, oh, like that hits with me. Like, I, yeah, OK, I, I like finally get it now that like <laughs> you're explaining that poop in your pants is from taking detox teas or like celery juices or anything like that. Um, and I could totally relate to with my, my old content was like, <laughs> I usually, you know, how you get like the memory thing on like either Facebook or on like yeah. Instagram, <laughs> I'll always get like the, the eight years ago thing where it's like cringy, cringy, like content that I post where I'm just like, what was I thinking here? Like, what was like, <laughs> like starvation mode or like talking about like how like certain exercises that you can target this to lose here or something like that. I'm just like, like, nah, <laughs> like, nah. I totally get that, man. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things where like, as fitness coaches, we need to be totally cool with being like, Hey, I was wrong here and this is actually what I believe now. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. You know, nobody expects us to have all of this figured out and to be like these experts where our opinions never change. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think that one of the most respectful qualities of somebody who is an authority in health and fitness is them saying, Hey, I was wrong here and I'm open-minded to this perspective now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, that's what I appreciate as well. It's like, just you can adapt like you don't you can it's okay to say like hey what i this what my used to thing in was like it wasn't right and that's okay too so i i one thing i can um not relate but my my sister's a chef too and she's she's still in the her husband is a chef too and and they've been in the industry for a while now um but that's something she's she's always said too is how how one demanding the job is right. You're always, you're always on your feet. You're always doing something. Um, but two, like the, the grazing, right. The grazing aspect of just picking at things that you're making or, or wherever the case may be, whatever you're, you're cooking that day. Uh, what's, what was it like, like being a chef and like, and also having like these health goals in mind? Yeah, man, it's it's uh, really fucking hard. 
Like, imagine, I'll put it this way. Like, you know, if you hang out in the barbershop, you're going to get a haircut. Like, it, that's just the, the moral of the story. Like, you hang out in the barbershop, you're going to get a haircut. You hang out in a restaurant all day around what's the easiest thing to like grab and eat right it's french fries that's right. like if you if you work somewhere where there's french fries or there's like roasted nuts or there's like you know there's little snacks and little right. things that you can just grab and eat and it's so simple and it's so easy but the problem is like you're not getting a lot of good nutrition and a lot of times you're never actually getting to the point where you feel full and satiated mm. you're just snacking because like you're you develop a you develop a an addiction to just putting something in your mouth getting that like sweet salty fatty whatever it is and then moving on and mm. so you're just so busy that you don't have time to sit down and eat a real meal something that helped me when i was at my last restaurant job and i actually like had made vast improvements with my relationship with food at this point i actually made it a point before my shift i would show up 20 minutes early and i would make myself a large meal mm. with carbohydrates lots of protein and vegetables and what this did is this it actually like almost completely stopped my grazing yeah because i was fed and it was mm. that simple it was like okay eat a balanced plate of food and kind of the three plates, two snacks method. It's like, have your three plates and two snacks, you know, but plan them, actually plan that you're going to have food. No more grazing, no more mm -hmm. snacking. Like if you're gonna have a snack, sit down and actually have a snack or plan mm -hmm. it out. Like have a piece of fruit, have uh, something with protein in it, you know, have a snack instead of like just, oh, a little handful of nuts here, handful of French fries here. That's what leads to issues down the line and that's what leads ultimately to just consuming way more calories than you ever think you are this is really easy to just consume 150 calories of nuts like mm -hmm. boom i just ate 150 calories of nuts right i would do that five six seven eight times a day mm. i mean just just do the math real quick like right. like how many calories is that just in cashews mm -hmm. every single day right. and so no shit and then I'd get off work and I'd be like, oh, now I need to actually sit down and have a meal. Dude, you just ate like 1,200 calories right. worth of cashews. <laughs> and now you're eating like another 1,200 calorie meal. Mm -hmm. And then you had breakfast before that. So mm -hmm. it's like, dude, you're eating like 35 to 4,000 calories. And you're like, mm. why am I not losing weight? Yeah. That yeah. makes so much. I didn't even think about the, the food environment aspect of being a chef where it's just like, if you see something in front of you, if you're hungry, then of course you're going to be more likely to grab that thing. It's like anybody else at home who, you know, their food environment is structured in a way where they graze more too, right? Like if someone keeps, you know, the Entenmann's donuts on the counter, as opposed to keeping the bowl of fruit and the donuts away in a shelf out of eyesight, then you're far more likely to eat the donuts rather than eat the fruit that is in front of you, right? So that makes complete sense. I don't even, I didn't even think about that aspect of how it's just literally your environment is breeding for you to, you know, snack and graze. Plus as a chef, like you have to sort of taste, you know, what you're doing from time to time to make sure it tastes good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times like you're tasting the food, but for me, that wasn't the issue. Like mm -hmm. having a like tiny spoonful of like whatever sauce I'm creating to make sure it's like has enough salt in it or whatever. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the issue. It was the constant like grabbing things and just being like, okay. Mm -hmm. And there's almost like a an element of shame about it because mm -hmm. the customers are not supposed to see you snacking. Like no one wants to see their cook right. or their chef shoving handfuls of food in their mouth like nobody wants to see that right. when they go to a restaurant so then you're ducking down in the corner like below the line mm. to make sure nobody sees you you're grabbing a handful of nuts or you're eating in the walk-in because that's the only place you can have like some peace and quiet and you know nobody's like gonna bother you mm -hmm. so you're like grabbing a handful of food in the walk-in and so it it creates this shame around mm -hmm. it and i remember like i'd be eating like a handful of something and like servers or other cooks would come into the walk-in and like catch me mm -hmm. and i'd almost feel guilty even though like they didn't give a fuck they were like right. yeah well, it's the only place he can like really eat you know right but 
but I felt like this guilt and it brought me back to like when I was a kid and I would like, you know, sneak around and eat food at night mm. or, you know, I would, I would sneak like candy into my bedroom because like, <clears throat> you know, I grew up in a very like diet centric household. Mm. <clears throat> Drink that water. Drink it. <laughs> Did you see that? I totally spilt <laughs> <Just> it. <laughs> <clears throat> Dude, I spilt it, but I already had a syrup stain on my shirt. So, <laughs> so no, it's not thank, dry thank, syrup anymore. It's <clears throat> fresh again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank God I don't have like a an office like job where like I have to wear a suit and tie, dude. I could never, I could never do it. When I was working, <laughs> when I was working like in the gyms, I'd like I'd like pack several like articles of clothing and like shirts with me because i'd be like you know if i had a white shirt i'd be like no yeah. no way that's gonna stay white you know <laughs> i'm just like i'm just like really clumsy with the way i drink and eat I, uh, I don't i don't know where that comes from dude you're talking to king king clumsy over here like i always there's always some sort of stain on me or crumb <laughs> on me after eating or some some <laughs> me- there has like there has to be some mess on me at one point you know, like you, you could definitely shape together what I ate based off the stains. Like that's yeah, it's like it's like the gingerbread house. You like follow the crumbs. That's right. Hansel it's, and Gretel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not hard. Um, but you were you were talking about how, uh, you know, that you're you had a diet. You lived in a diet centric household growing up yeah. And, yeah. It, and it caused you to feel guilt around food. Yeah. <clears throat> so like my mom growing up was always on Weight Watchers Mm. or Jenny Craig or whatever. And like, even though my dad wasn't, he wasn't like a dieter per se. I noticed there were times when he'd be like, yeah, no, let's not do the the potatoes tonight. Let's do a salad. Right. And Mm. I noticed there were times when he was actively trying to change his body composition Mm. because he didn't like the way he looked or felt. And so he would act, he wouldn't like say it, because I think there was even like shame and guilt and stigma around like being a man and trying to actively like change your body shape or change your weight. And so my mom was very open about it, but she also was like super hard on herself. Like if she gained, you know, five pounds on a vacation, it was like just endless beating herself down and like endless shame and guilt around that. And the same thing, like she didn't understand calories in calories out. Right. But like Weight Watchers, was a good tool for her because she like used her points and you know she had an allotted amount of points that she could use there were certain foods that like you know would have less points certain foods would have more points Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing as calories but you know it gave her a more like easily digestible way to look at calories in calories out so Mm -hmm. weight watchers worked for her but the part of weight watchers that she didn't like and you know sounds like you know, wouldn't align with my morals is like having all of these women like line up in a line and like weigh themselves. So she actually like went to the meetings and then everybody would clap if they went down and weighed or like they just could be silent if she gained weight or like stayed the same. It's just weird. It's just weird. Like, like, and the fact that they weigh in like once a week, Mm -hmm. it's like, that could be water weight. It could be glycogen. It could be her cycle. It could be so many things going on. So like, Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. That's why, you know, it's like, wait, now I'm like, you know, I I have my mom. I actually coach my mom for free and I don't charge her, (laughs) but, but, uh, but she, um, so she weighs herself every single day. She repaired her relationship with the scale. She no longer like binges. And when she goes out to eat, she doesn't feel guilty about it. You know, she goes out to eat with my dad goes has a bunch of sushi, sushi, and then I'll see her weigh in the next day. And she'll be like, Yeah, I'm up a couple pounds. But I know it's just the sushi and extra Mm -hmm. carbs. Mm -hmm. So she's like, she's learning, she's understanding. And this is, I mean, we're talking about 30, 40 years of dieting. And she's at a great like healthy body weight for her age her blood pressures improved so like all of these right. wonderful things are happening for her and i feel like i'm like i didn't do anything you know i just right. like she just she watches my content and she like you know obviously you know when i started creating content she was one of my first supporters yeah 
Um, and you know, if I sent out an email to my email list, I'd get a response from my mom. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, thanks, mom. Like, yeah. Thanks, thanks for watching the video. Yeah. I, you know, so, I actually love yeah. that because that's that's how my mom and I are like she's very much like my supporter like I'm a mama's boy like I'm through and through big time mama's boy um, yeah. so I could I could definitely and I could relate to the Weight Watchers stuff because my mom growing up was into Weight Watchers and I actually she actually brought me to the meetings because she can there's my dad was working and like she didn't have a babysitter so i would i sat in on a lot of weight watchers meetings um <laughs> like you know i was like that like energetic kid who was like playing this game boy and then like getting in the shit like behind and like you know like interrupting the class or something like that embarrassing my mom yeah. um yeah but you know and i never thought about it until i really you know got into coaching and, and all these things but um you know the the process of Weight Watchers, at least at that time, I know it's come a long way, but the process, at least then, um, like you said, like these women, mostly women, there are guys at meetings too, but, you know, these these people would line up, they would, you know, single file line, there's like three stations with scales, and they'd take their shoes off, or whatever the case, and they would step on the scale, and the person who's checking their weight has like their previous weigh-ins. And my mom used to go to Weight Watchers at like night. So she would she would take me to like the six o'clock meetings. Um, so that that that's just another <laughs> factor, right? Like you think about that, like that's another factor of like why your weight could be up, right? Because you're literally at the end of the day, yeah. you know, you've eaten and and I actually remember my mom would deliberately eat less leading up to the weigh-in because yeah. she did. Of course, want of course. Right, because yeah. she didn't want her weight to go up. And it's such a messed up mindset now that I'm like, I'm getting all these flashbacks now. But uh, but same thing. And then they would sell like their Weight Watchers, you know, freezer meals or their Weight Watcher bars or their Weight Watcher cookies and stuff like that. But but like you said, like they'd have like, you know, people would raise their hands saying if they went up and way or went down and way, anything like that. Um, but it was a really... Uh, skewed mindset and it makes a lot of sense you know now like looking back then like there wasn't much talk about what we talk about now you know like the, i think yeah. the industry has evolved a lot but um that was just what it was and it was like a really flawed mindset of you know weight gain and, and how to go about the process and 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 it like it makes complete sense why somebody who feels guilty about food or feels guilty about their weight going up or anything like that. It just wasn't a supportive environment then. Um, yeah, totally. So, so yeah, I mean, I can, like, as soon as you're saying that, I was like, yep. Like I, <laughs> I lived through that and I sat through those meetings playing my like Pokemon red, like, uh, you know, like, you know, hearing everything now and then, um, that's, that's, yeah. yeah. Yep. You sent me back, Backman. you sent me back. <laughs> but uh what i'm curious about i remember i remember when i first saw your name pop up um you were i know you were a chef but didn't didn't you go on like this like boat trip or something like that is am i is that are yeah, you boat trip yeah now? i went yeah i went to alaska um went fishing in alaska um this was in 2020 so um I went on a trip to Alaska at that time like you know things were things were weird man I'm gonna be honest 2020 yeah. was weird it was mm -hmm. really weird and it feels like you know so it feels like so long ago but it really wasn't mm -hmm. um but yeah I went on a tri uh, a trip so commercial fishing and went on a boat and <clears throat> man I am just not, that is not my environment at all. You know, I'm not a man's man. I'm not a like, right. <clears throat> I'm not a construction worker. I'm not a fucking landscaper. Mm -hmm. I've tried so many jobs other than being in the kitchen. Cause I was like, you know, I had this love hate relationship with, with, with being in the kitchen, you know, and at that time in 2020, like I was still in restaurants mm. and I was like, you know what? <clears throat> I wasn't all in with my business. I put all of my clients that I, all of my online coaching clients that I had at the time, I either canceled with them or I put them on pause. So all of them, 
and I was like, I need to, I need to go fucking try this because I'm being like called, you know, I'm being mm-hmm. like called to go to Alaska. And I went and it was, dude, it was fucking miserable, man. Like the guy that I worked for was an absolute sociopath. Mm-hmm. The guy was just a fucking, he was just a terrible human being. And, uh, you know, the kind of person that constantly demeans you and talks mm-hmm. down to you and, and all of that. And, uh, so it was a really toxic environment, to be honest, but it was a blessing in a way because mm-hmm. I came back so fired the fuck up mm-hmm. to be a coach, yeah. to get back into the swing of things. I was like, you know what? That, that's not me. It'll never be me, and I'm fucking okay with that, and I need, yeah. to, I need to do what I know and do what I love and stop trying to fucking go down – whatever path other people are doing and just go all in with helping people and and doing the right thing. So Mm. that's when like I made that decision and you know, a lot of clients that I put on pause or cancel, they came back on with me and I kind of like just decided to fucking do this for real this time. And so that that's when I like really, 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 really went hard and dove all in. And like, that's when I was like, Instagram fucking three times a day, TikTok yep. four times a day. Like TikTok absolutely exploded for me. Like got to, you know, 60,000 plus followers, like really mm-hmm. fast on TikTok, like just crazy engagement, email list exploding, like, mm-hmm. you know, just just so many cool things happening for me. And I was like, yeah. okay, this is, this is what yeah. I'm meant to be doing, dude. This, yep. There's no denying it. Like, if people would not hit that follow button, if what I was doing wasn't helping them in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. And I, I like that you had like, that very much reminds me of, uh, you read the, read the Alchemist? No. Oh, you, you'd love it. So it's basically a book about this person who feels called to do something um, almost, almost spiritually. Like they feel like they had a dream that they should be doing something or going after something. And, uh, and they fall like these omens throughout their journey that they feel like is, is bringing them closer to something. But along the way, they, they have these stops at these places that sort of distract them or take them away from their, their calling. Um, and then they're reminded by seeing like an omen that's like, oh, wait, like I have another calling that I, I, I'm meant to be doing, right? So that's, that's what your story just reminded me of is, is just like you have like these stop gaps in your journey and then and then you get these reminders throughout your journey like no like this is something you're you're meant to be doing right and you and you're really good at doing so you remind me of that man remind me a little little i appreciate that i'll have to go check it out oh it's great dude one of of my favorites it's like a life-changing book um man i've got so many books on my list it's crazy (laughs) and he can't read it's the craziest (laughs) i can't dude i said curves does that say curves behind you can't read he can't even read um uh, so quick quick chef question before we wrap this up what's like your favorite favorite meal to chef i i love mexican food man like simple fresh ingredients and just done really well seasoned really well Mm. good salsas good sauces like i love anything like okay middle eastern food is second to me like i love a good like shawarma i love good hummus and pita like a a good like fresh middle eastern salad like Mm -hmm. indian foods also kind of tagged into that as well there's Mm -hmm. just anything that you can have like a lot of condiments and sauces and different flavors to try different things and so mexican food was like my first um real introduction and real like love affair with with like cooking was like okay something as simple as a taco Mm-hmm. And tacos are still my favorite food to this day because it's it's literally it's the perfect vessel for just like a bite of just amazing flavor and everything's mm-hmm. fresh. You got the fresh ingredients, fresh, you know, salsas. And if it's done well, it can be the most amazing meal of your life. But if yes. it's done shitty, it's very underwhelming. And <laughs> I've had so many mediocre, terrible tacos in my life, but like the handful of times that I've had like life-changing tacos have made me like forever taco squad. I, I, I respect that. I actually, I recently, I recently went on like this little getaway trip and, and my friend, she, she owns this like um, Asian food business. So she, 
she made us Korean tacos and mm-hmm. she she did like these um she made like this beef pul- pulgogi um pulgogi beef yeah yeah dude it was it was insane she and she did like this kimchi crema to go along with it and like this fresh oh. guac and i was just like oh my god like this is absolutely insane and i i, I like how you like tacos tacos can be anything you know what i'm saying yeah it's- yeah yeah, no, I, and if you if you ever go to Mexico, you know, like like even in Mexico, people are like, oh, Mexico's got the best tacos and this and that. Mm-hmm. I've had really mediocre, shitty tacos in Mexico, mm-hmm. and then I've also had tacos in Mexico that were like, what? Yeah. How <laughs> did they? What in the? Oh my god! What? And they were like, you know, ten cents U.S. Yes. a taco, whereas yep. like where I live, it's like three some three dollars something a taco, and I'm mm-hmm. like, this is fucked up like tacos should be cheap it should be affordable and like you should be able to eat a lot of them and get full for like you know 15 20 bucks you should be able to get Mm -hmm. a lot of tacos but yeah absolutely that's inflation for you yeah he's taking his taco stand (laughs) i dude i if i could i would open up a like almost like like not even make money taco stand because like like i want to i like I would just blow everybody out of the water here, man. Like anybody yeah. that knows me personally that has like hung out with me, they know that like if I'm ch- if there's like a bunch of us and we're all chipping in for food, like I'm like I'll cook some tacos and mm. I'll I'll make like, you know, I'll give me 100 bucks and I could I can make tacos for like, you know, 20 people, 30 people easy. Oh man, I I want to try I want to try your taco. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> Dude, it's I want to try it. <laughs> I'm convinced, man. Uh, you sold me. <laughs> Ryan's actually like raising his hand. Me, pick me. I want to try your taco. <laughs> I love it, man. The no, woman. like it's seriously, man. Like I, I want to come out with like a recipe book. Yeah. That's just like, like I, I actually came up with an idea called the Taco Cleanse, Ooh. and uh, and so it's it's literally just a taco recipe book where you can uh you can eat tacos every day and lose weight and and uh and tacos is one of those things that like people think are like it's it's not healthy for you it's like tacos literally are amazing if you're trying to lose weight because it's it's a very thin layer of corn corn or masa Mm -hmm. so you like that's that's not a lot of calories you know a lot of a lot of corn tortillas are like you know, 20 calories maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like, you know, if you're cooking them in lard and shit, but most, most like corn tortillas are not cooked in lard unless you're going to like a real authentic Mexican spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and then you, you use, you know, some lean protein in there, some avocado, like in, in some fresh salsa, some vegetables, like you've got your carb protein and fat mm-hmm. and good flavor. And it's in a little like deliverable thing that you can eat like super easily. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, Tacos are amazing if you're trying to lose weight. People sleep on tacos for weight loss. Let's let's talk about it. Let's let's, let's do talk it. about it. Let's talk <laughs> about it. Stupid man. <laughs> How long were you waiting to say that? <laughs> I, yeah, I, a few minutes. It's been a while. A few yeah. minutes. <laughs> Hold that one in the, I in to the talk chamber. About it. I had it in the chamber. <laughs> um, the uh, I one thousand percent agree. I've actually been on. It's funny you, we're talking about tacos because I've been on a taco. I'm not sure about you, but like when I when I start with my nutrition or my diet, I like get fixated on one thing for a bit and make that like for yeah almost all my meals until I get sick yeah. of it. So I'm in a taco stage right now. Um, and uh, what what would you say for the people who who want to make, you know, a low calorie taco still taste good? What would be like your essential <laughs> ingredients? So I think a mistake people make is they choose chicken breast. And if you want mm-hmm. to, like, get the get a maximum flavor, is like chicken thighs are the way to go. You're not adding that many calories with chicken thighs. Like, just get the boneless, skinless. Put them in an instant pot or a slow cooker with like some spices, some garlic powder, cumin. Um, you know, some like just make sure that it has lots of flavor, that it's seasoned well, and then shred that up 
make make it all shredded and nice and like keep some of the juice in there with the chicken and then that way the tacos won't be dry if you use mm. chicken breast chances are it's going to be dry and chicken breast is just it's just not as good man there's just not as much flavor you want a little bit of that fat you want mm. a little bit so use chicken thighs and then the corn tortillas store-bought corn tortillas absolutely suck they suck but here's the thing is you can bring them back to life at least a little bit so i use i think they're by mission but they're called street corn tortillas so they're actually the smaller ones mm -hmm. and i will stack two of those on top of each other run them under the sink under cold water for just like two seconds to get a little more moisture to bring them back mm. to life and then get a pan ripping hot spray it with a little nonstick, and then throw your corn tortillas onto that and literally cover that with a lid so that they steam a little bit so that way you're bringing them back to life a little mm. bit and then you're going to get color on one side and then they're done and then you just you do a bunch of those, cover them with a towel to keep them moist and keep them warm, and then you prepare the rest of your fillings. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw – I'm really simple with tacos. I just like corn tortillas, well-seasoned chicken thighs, um, some avocado, maybe a little bit of sour cream or, like, some cotilla cheese and some onion, cilantro, something like that. And, like, dude, it's not about, like – how many different ingredients it's about like the quality of the ingredients that you use so mm -hmm. if every single ingredient that you use is seasoned well and it's it's prepared well it's going to make an amazing taco even if you only have a couple ingredients mm -hmm. that's why i love them so much is because uh, a high quality taco can just be tortilla meat onion cilantro and salsa and it'll blow your fucking mind and there's Man. not many other there's not many other things on the planet that are that simple that taste that good to me personally. That you're making me so hungry. <laughs> That's I'm passionate. So I'm passionate about tacos, man. It's uh, it's one of my I definitely, definitely want to create a recipe book to show people how to make good tacos because like no matter how many videos I make about how to make the perfect taco, mm -hmm. it's it's like people don't get it. They don't understand how fucking simple it is. So you prep your protein on Sunday in the Instant Pot or whatever you have. Prep your protein and then you just, you've already got it. So like literally you could throw together a taco in three, in three minutes. You could throw together like five or six tacos for yourself and you've got an amazing lunch. And you're getting vegetables in, you're getting carbs in, you're getting protein, some healthy fats. So it's mm -hmm. it's literally the easiest way to lose weight, but also eat amazing food. That is wicked easy. I I almost. What do you think about this idea? What if what if we made tacos live on TikTok, and and you oh, walk yeah. me through how to make the perfect taco? Oh yeah, I'll give you the ingredient list, and then we'll we'll do yeah. it. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. I love to cook too, and I, I, would I love so. To learn. Do you have an instant pot? Uh, I have an air fryer, and I have. Uh... We don't need. We don't need. Oh, I, don't I might have one. Pot. I might have a crock I, pot. I... Nah, because then we're doing it live on TikTok, so we want it to be fast. Okay. So, I got an idea, and we'll we'll make a little like quick marinade for the chicken too, and yeah, we'll do it. Let's do it. Okay. Dope. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll we'll wrap this up because uh because I'm starving. I'm gonna make a breakfast taco. <laughs> Dude, Austin, Austin, Texas, man, that's where to get the good breakfast tacos. If you're ever in Texas, that's 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 where to do it. Mm -hmm. Their their barbecue, it's it's you know, I, one I love food, so I love that we're talking about food because having good food and you know when you have that bite of food and it just takes you somewhere. Yeah, that's that's my favorite part about food, like really good food, and you're just like, oh my god, like this is amazing. Right, like yep. you described when you were in Mexico, you had that tense attack, but you're just like, what? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> How? <laughs> Who are you? No, I think, <laughs> I think being a chef too, man. It's like there's so many things that go through my head. It's like that, um, you know that that reading rainbow trend on TikTok. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's like what's going on in my head. Yeah, <laughs> reading rainbow. Um, so, so final question before, you know, we, we sign off. So we, we talked about a lot. We talked about your journey. We talked about 
your coaching. We talked about cooking and, and all these great things. Um, so as you know, this podcast is called These Little Moments Podcasts um, because, you know, through my life events, I've come to realize that life is built up from these little moments that lead us to these big moments in life. But we, you know, sometimes we forget about the little things that happen that lead us to, you know, where we are now. So what's like a, a little moment in your life that, you know, really sticks out to you that has led you to where you are today? Hmm. So, hmm. well, we kind of talked about like my coming to moment with my sobriety, mm -hmm. but I think like more recently, I think like realizing that more recently realizing that mental health should be the priority over everything. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and actually like me and you have talked about this a lot, but yeah. a couple weeks ago I was watching a YouTube channel and, uh, and this guy was, he basically created a challenge for mental health. He's like, he's like for the next two weeks, instead of making your business, your priority, your health and fitness, your priority, your, you know, social life, your priority, make mental health your number one priority, make that the only thing that matters for the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. So journaling, gratitude lists, meditation, you know, calling people socializing, getting out into the sun, like all of these things that I know are good for my mental health, as well as, well as exercising, as yeah. well as therapy, the obvious stuff doing all of those things for the next two weeks and then see how that impacts the rest of your business, your mindset, your relationships, all of that. And mm -hmm. so just actually like taking on that challenge for the last two weeks, I've been in like a really amazing place and it's forced me to create some deeper content around mm -hmm. that. Whereas like when you are focused on weight loss, instead of focusing on weight loss, instead of focusing on fat loss and what the scale is doing, mm -hmm. make mental health your number one priority and watch the rest of the things that were once really hard to do for you, watch them be a lot easier for you to do because you are coming from a place of love and compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Yeah. Actually, it's yeah. funny. I was just listening to your reel. You mind if I play your reel that you just made? much easier in the long run and it's going to make it sustainable for you mental health is so important when it comes to weight loss as a matter of fact i'm going to go ahead and say it mental health is what you should prioritize before you prioritize weight loss doing things that improve your mental health is going to make weight loss so much easier in the long run and it's going to make it sustainable for you mental i love that that's so true. Yeah, man. It's it. So that was from a YouTube video that I made, but mm -hmm. it, that's what inspired me to create that piece of content. And, and what's funny is since I started to focus more on my mental health, all of a sudden, I think my content's hitting a little bit deeper now. And, mm -hmm. and so I've been on more phone calls with consults and like potential clients, people who want to sign on with me. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest common denominators that I see with people yeah. is they are just struggling with mental health. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm not a therapist. I'm mm -hmm. not qualified to help people with their mental health. But now if I have a client who is already with me and they're struggling, we have accountability with each other to create that gratitude list. So on their consistency tracker, you know, I have their calories, their protein, their steps, all of that good stuff. And, and now I have like journaling. Did you, mm -hmm. did you gratitude journal this morning? And then if I see a lot of those X's on their consistency tracker for gratitude journaling, then I notice that their check-ins are a lot more positive mm. and they're actually doing a lot better with consistency. So mm -hmm. there is a clear correlation to me in the small sample size of clients that I do have. There's a clear correlation that doing this inner work every single morning and prioritizing mm -hmm. yourself instead of just jumping on a Facebook, instead of just jumping on a social media into the rat race right. of life, do that, take that five to 10 minutes out of your day and do that shit in the morning, no matter how dumb it may feel, no matter how much you think it's not helping, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's it compounds with interest over time. So mm -hmm. 
Even though you may feel like it's not doing anything now, over the long term, I promise you, it will change your life. Let's, yeah, I want to just end it right there, dude. That was perfect. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love, love it. You, man. Love it so That's much. Love you, great. man. Um, so, so why don't you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, so you can find me at Jeff Packman Fitness on Instagram and TikTok and on YouTube. It's still Chef Jeffrey's Kitchen. Um, that was my original chef page. And so I do, I do post a lot of recipes over there still, but I'm going hard on YouTube right now. So that's where you can mainly find me. And uh, yeah, that ad revenue better start coming in. Because <laughs> these tacos are adding up <laughs> <laughs> these three fifty, these three dollar fifty tacos are fucking expensive, right. man. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a wrap on Jeffrey, Jeffrey Pack. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you. We'll we'll stay on a little bit after just to chat quick, and then um, but yeah, man. Thank you for hopping on. I appreciate you. Thank you, bro. Appreciate uh, you. Love you, man. Love All you right. too. Peace. Thank you so much for this, this episode of These Little Moments Podcast. I super appreciate it. Make sure you check the show notes to find where Jeff is on the interwebs. Uh, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to work together one-on-one health and wellness coaching, you can apply for coaching at bydebrian.com slash coaching. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I love you. Thank you guys for listening. And I'll see you in the next one. Peace out, guys.